नमस्ते सो स्पिरिचुअल ट्रूथ्स आर एसेंशियली ट्रूथ्स रिसीव्ड बाय ट्रांसेंडिंग द फ्रेम ऑफ द सेंसेस एंड द फ्रेम्स ऑफ द माइंड एंड ऑल कैन नॉट डू इट इमिजिएटली ऑल कैन पोटेंशियली डू इट ऑल आर मैन टू डू इट एट सम पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम but uh, since uh, it's not easy because all the time we are turned outwards and our mind is preoccupied with outward things and there is a magic fence of nature besides that so it's not easy to just break free and it's not even uh, given to us to break free because you have to have sufficient preparation because if you break free then the mental measures tend to fall and we need frames to navigate through life Uh, of course the mind and the senses have built frames for references which is what we call as the world so world has this double reality one is a fundamental truth and the other is the frames through which we navigate and these frames sensory frames of course also depend upon these species to species but mental frames change as we grow and evolve that's something very interesting somebody living in emotions navigates through life with one kind of set of frames and he builds rules according to those frames then when we somebody living in ideative mentality he builds other kinds of frames people with a certain philosophy ideology religious thought build other kinds of frames so you have to go beyond these frames but if it the breakage is sudden it can be very disorienting uh, that's why the way that has been prescribed or given in the upanishads is that uh, Uh, slowly you enlarge the frames don't abruptly cut it because it can be disastrous so we have you know tamas rajas sattva and then also you branch out till the frame melts you don't break it you melt it till it melts into the infinite so that's the process that's why the way is long because otherwise we lose hold of uh, earthly reality now there there have been those in all times who have received this knowledge they went beyond it out of which there are few who out of compassion gave this knowledge to others that's itself a rarity many are very content with living in that ultimate reality uh, then there are some who give this knowledge but there again the bridge between this higher knowledge and the lower knowledge because they may go beyond the frame and help us understand how to go beyond the frame but what is the bridge can we lead this life earthly life and its everyday um, struggles and challenges and everyday activities based on this higher vision this is very rare i i mean the mother and shurbindo are unique in that regard because the purpose is to transform this earthly life now this knowledge has been transmitted through three ways primarily or four ways if you may say so one is of course by transferring this energy into another what is known as shakti path so that is a process we'll not go into that um, it includes various kinds of diksha mantra diksha and this diksha then disciple is supposed to follow a path and he suddenly one day because that mantra or that process has been activated that's what shakti path is wherein the some consciousness and energy of the uh, master who has gone beyond the frame is transferred into the disciple and that is enough its potency is enough to start a process and that process like homeopathic medicine very small amount and then it 
catalyzes a whole set of events till you reach that same point where the master has reached. Uh, the other way is, which is very beautiful, very powerful, is in silence. So when we see Shurabindu, much of his uh, truth was given in silence. And then you have the words. Words are a means of communication and words, you have uh, conversational. You have a direct scriptural like you write, the written word. The written word is normally what is regarded as scriptural. So the great masters write and we read, we receive with an open mind and open consciousness. Uh, the opening comes by faith, by aspiration, by seeking and we receive that knowledge because it's not the word, it is the consciousness behind the words. Uh, then, apart from the written word, there is the spoken word. Now, this is where we see that the spoken word, knowledge through the spoken word, is very much missing. It contains a great flavor though. So, we see that uh, how it was transmitted, at least in India. So, the same Vedic truths, Veda Vyas has written the, you know, most of the Vedas, is, or rather he has compiled them, brought them together. But through the form of stories, narratives, he also wrote the Puranas, or through Mahabharat. Now there you see conversational aspect, same thing. But Arjun will ask Krishna, or uh, Yudhishthir will ask him, or someone else. So there are uh, great yogis, and there will be a conversational form of knowledge. In Ramayana, it's very much there. In Aranyakand, is there in Mahabharat also. But uh, when the Pandavas go into the forest, they meet various forest sages and they ask them, put them questions and they reply. Savitri is born because of one such question in Mahabharata. So people often ask, how do you know what the sages told? It's irrelevant actually. <laughs> it's not important. The knowledge is being given by receiver Vyas. He is a seer. So he has put it in this form which is very appealing to the human intellect. For instance, when Yudhishthir says, um, drop these suffering so much, is there anyone in the world who is such a wonderful person and yet who has faced so many challenges? Now we connect with it. Rather than when you read it in the language of the Vedas that you know there are two ways of making this path, a human vessel, uh, beautiful and strong, pure and strong. One is through suffering and the other is through tapasya. Now you can't make a sense out of it. <laughs> So, there is the conversational aspect. So, great masters have done it. But after Ramayana and Mahabharata, we see that process has either declined. It was always there, but it could not be documented. And wherever it was documented, it often got corrupted. Everyone added something of it, removed something from it to make it more convenient. Uh, because uh, wherever you feel the master at something which contradicts my own idea, people have a tendency to twist or tweak it. Human mind does it instinctively. And that's why the mother says, for a change, first time we have two avatars, the greatest of masters, even if you put it like that, uh, who had realized everything possible under the sun and more, more than that, who had built the bridge between the higher and the lower knowledge. And uh, they wrote... And they spoke and what they wrote is Shobinda has directly written it on the typewriter. See, it's a great event. We don't realize that uh, uh, there is no chance of distorting it. Maybe a comma, full stop, people have tried, <laughs> I believe. But it's okay. I mean, at least the chunk of it is come intact. Human interventions are there. And the mother, she went one step further. She had conversations. So in conversations, uh, of course, you have to imagine a comma and put it there. 
<laughs> but as I said, fortunately, they put things like silence, the mother laughs, and hearing it, but also in the printed format, something of it is still there. So it's a very different way of transmitting knowledge. Of course, nothing supersedes the knowledge that comes directly from the master because you have opened yourself inside. The gates are flung wide open and all that is needed pours into you. But then this itself helps to open the door. So these conversations help us in many ways. Uh, one, it's so much readable, relatable. Rather than reading directly the life divine, it's the same wisdom which is there, but in ways that we read. So if you read the life divine, you have a whole chapter on dreams, memory, ego. And most people who read it, uh, they wonder at what is being meant. But when mother is asked a question, tell us something about dreams, uh, then when she explains it, it becomes so much more relatable. So it's relatable and therefore readable and therefore easy to receive. Because the human mind is wide open. Second, it becomes very intimate because it connects not just with the higher intellectual part, but it connects with our everyday life and its necessities. Easy to connect. And of course, third is that it is the same thing, the consciousness is there, which is coming to us in simple words. The format is just as... Because she is uh, giving that truth to all of us, to children, as I said, primarily. So the expression is also uh, which even a child can receive. This is very difficult in written knowledge because in written knowledge, uh, one writes from the peaks. That's what we see in all these written shastras. And that's why so much uh, struggle for interpreting them. It's received from the heights and it flows like the mighty Ganges. You take it or you leave it. I mean, it's very difficult unless the human mind is wide, supple, uh, one requires a kind of spiritual intelligence to receive spiritual knowledge. This is not much spoken of, but it's very important. And that's why there was a time when this knowledge was not given to everybody. The reason is that if the mind is gross, sthul buddhi, then either one will not receive it or one will receive it wrongly. Like aham brahmasmi means the ego and the physical body is Brahman. That's how it was received by Ravan. So therefore, a preliminary purification was required even to receive this knowledge. And that purification consisted of diet, way of life, attitude, so that uh, instead of a gross knowledge, the gross consciousness, it becomes subtle. And when the consciousness becomes subtle and plastic, then it receives it rightly. So we have to keep all this in, in mind when we read this conversation. And that's why mother used to say, don't start saying, mother says so, mother says so, quote, misquote. Uh, so that's not the idea. So the idea of these sharing is not that we start quoting a fragment from here, a fragment from there, <laughs> and put it humorously. Uh, um, Alokji says so, <laughs> based on what mother has said, no. Idea is, it's an invitation. To enter into Mother and Sri Aurobindo. That's all is the purpose. And then when we read, we will ourselves receive. And uh, as I said, it's very, very simple. But the same truth, because Mother and Sri Aurobindo are one. Both of them have confirmed this. So the same consciousness, the same truth. In fact, Sri says, uh, Mother has, uh, I'm a little partial towards her. <laughs> the double advantage as Shivinda said, she entered into the supermind through the front door. 
We see it in prayers and meditation. Shobindo turned to yoga because he wanted India's freedom. So he needed Shakti. <laughs> that was his beginning. It was not because uh, divine and divine realization, nothing. He wanted Shakti and Shakti for India's freedom. And therefore uh, he turned towards yoga. But mother, you read, it is through and through divine. There is nothing, no other secondary agenda. And the second is improving the human condition. So this one advantage. And the second is that the mother was given the task and the charge of the yoga. So she is translating all that Shurabhita has realized in practical terms. And by translating I mean because she has arrived at the same realization but she is giving us in practical terms what would otherwise be difficult for human mind to conceive. So the idea of all this background is read the mother's conversations. Okay? So we'll just pick up some of the, we are still with collected works of Mother Volume 4, Conversations 1950, uh, 21st December to 1951, I think April or May, that's, it's about six months. Now she is speaking about meditation and concentration. See how she is talking about it. Last time we, we read about one side of the story. Meditation does not automatically mean people confuse between meditation and concentration. Number of hours spent in meditation does not mean that you are a realized person or you are a great yogi, etc. etc. But then meditation is something which is important in the yoga. It's an integral yoga. It's not a yoga minus meditation. There are people to whom mother has said, for you work is enough. But it doesn't mean we take uh, an odd example. Meditation is very much a part of the yoga, of integral yoga. But it is not just a yoga of meditation alone. So in that case, we need to know how to meditate, how to concentrate. She has written it all over several places. But here is one of them as in Collected Works of the Mother, Volume 4. There are all kinds of meditations. <laughs> so... And here she is touching the essence. She has made it very clear. It's not about your this posture, lotus posture, how you, have, you are sitting against which wall, what time. All that is very secondary. You may take an idea and follow it to arrive at a given result. This is an active meditation. The idea of love, idea of divine or divine as love or justice or wisdom. And what really true wisdom is, and as we meditate upon this idea, after a time the energy contained bursts forth and it releases into our system and we begin to understand what it means. Otherwise we have our own ideas about the idea. This is an active meditation. People who want to solve a problem or to write, meditate in this way without knowing that they are meditating. Or write a story. A story of love and you sit and contemplate and suddenly the truth behind it depending upon our own capacity and receptivity will pour in. If our capacity is limited it will be something like a historical narrative of let's say um, Prithviraj Chauhan or a romantic story maybe. But if it is your capacity is the utmost then you have Savitri and if, if it is sure window then the story of love taken to its utmost peak where love conquers death. So this is how uh, one receives. Others sit down. Of course, I am not saying Shurabindu has to concentrate. He has completed the yoga before he starts. Others sit down and try to concentrate on something without following an idea. 
simply to concentrate on a point. It could be a one of the centers of consciousness or even multiple centers of consciousness. Simply to concentrate on a point in order to intensify one's power of concentration. So concentration is gathering threads of consciousness. So how do you gather? You have to make a point on which you gather. A typical example is, uh, one of the practices of concentration is threading a needle. I don't know how many people have done it. <laughs> this used to be one of the exercises in Indian household. On a Sharad Purnima day, you have to thread the needle. And we used to enjoy it. I remember doing it and you know, it's like a competition, who does it first. So your whole, everything has to be focused. So threading, in, and this is just one example. Or uh, playing a game. So all these are ways to intensify the concentration. But here she is speaking about spiritual concentration. So on a point, in order to intensify, because now the consciousness is intensified. So when you are trying to thread a needle, you become oblivious of many things which are going around. So why? Because the consciousness is gathered on that point. So essentially it's about gathering one's consciousness. And this brings about what usually happens when you concentrate upon a point. If you succeed in gathering your capacity for concentration sufficiently upon a point, whether mental, vital or physical, at a given moment you pass through and enter into another consciousness. That's how people begin to grow such a deep, intimate um, awareness, knowledge or whatever we may call knowledge, in, not in the sense we understand, with those whom they love. There is a momentary intensity of concentration. Alas, but momentary. But because of that, something passes through and you enter another world, you experience the same person very differently from the way another will experience. Unfortunately, the whales come back and the drama of life starts. and That's a different story. But suddenly you touch something in the core. You think it's that person. No, it's, it's the core of everyone which is love, which is divine. You think this person is divine or this person, you know, is an embodiment, but it's basically the core. Now, yes, there are people in whom the core is very, very evident. So they are the great masters in whom the core begins to reflect through the layers. But otherwise, even ordinarily, uh, as mother says, even in a human story of love, wherever there enters this psychic flame, it becomes beautiful because that moment you touch the core. So you pass beyond. So this of course is a vital concentration on the emotional being. It could be on the, through the mind. You are trying to solve a problem. You are trying to understand a passage from the life divine. And there is an intensity of concentration. Divine, divine, divine. What? And suddenly the word divine discloses like the thousand names of Vishnu. But ten thousand ways till ultimately if one keeps concentrating. You end up discovering the divine everywhere and in everything, which is what yoga is meant for. Not to see hostile forces, dark forces, this magic, that magic, everywhere. But the presence of the divine. Why? Because by the power of concentration. One does not know what the divine is. I mean, we have conceptions. But suddenly one passes beyond conceptions and its truth begins to reveal itself. Uh, this intellectually, emotionally, even physically... Physically, it could be on a part of your body, it could be on a picture, 
you concentrate on a photograph and you pass beyond the photograph that's the whole idea because all these are frames appearances and if we concentrate sufficiently enough you will pass to the consciousness which the appearance represents so this is the second part others still try to drive out from their head all movements ideas reflexes reactions and to arrive at a truly silent tranquility this is uh, um, one of the things we should be practiced when one is alone or or taking or with people doesn't matter don't be with people you'll see that i mean you are with people but don't be with people and uh, you'll experience certain reactions responses feelings thoughts uh, coming up and no no because you have to you you have taken a decision that you would be with the divine so they will come all kinds of reaction responses you have to keep them away but this is difficult so the mother says this is extremely difficult this is the famous uh, concentration that shirvindo practiced in with uh, lili maharaj for 3 days and you know he was pushing away all thoughts and um, see people show it sometimes in a very uh, uh, imagery way they show shirvindo sitting and closing the eyes and thoughts are coming it is something actively to be done uh, walking sitting doing because 3 days is not just sitting in self absorbed uh, you know it's it's something we should go on and it's difficult it's true it is difficult very extremely difficult shobindo himself says this is extremely difficult he did not recommend it but it is there there are people who have tried for 25 years and not succeeded I know somebody who for thirty years told me, "I have tried for thirty years and I have not succeeded in silencing my mind, except for uh, less than half a minute." Uh, so I just smiled. <laughs> he said, uh, "Why?" A very elderly person. He was a devotee. I said, "I think there is a simple way." Then I realized that I should not speak like this, so I became. quiet later on i discovered she does say there is a simple way we'll read about it so for there are thoughts which are purely mechanical and if you try to stop these you will need years people struggle that is not to be done just ignore them go past towards what you want oh these thoughts are coming then they will catch you in a bower jal get sucked into them so they like foam uh, rising on the surface and moreover you will not be sure of the result instead of that you gather together all your consciousness now here comes the simple way and remain as quiet and peaceful as possible that's all that is required you detach yourself from external things as though they do not interest you at all and all of a sudden you brighten the flame of aspiration and throw into it everything that comes to you so that the flame may rise higher and higher higher and higher she is giving us a simpler way so often people have asked uh, how to silence the mind first thing is to silence the mind as they straight away go to shirbindo silencing the mind and they want to follow that practice even recently somebody was saying i said well concentrate on the mother your mind will fall silent 
If you do that after a while, would you like to think you will see the difference? And just be quiet in front of her. But this idea of putting effort to silencing the mind itself becomes an obstacle because there is such an active effort. That effort itself veils. That's how the mother describes in her prayer. But instead remain quiet and peaceful and gather your consciousness, detach from external things and just this flame which begins to brighten up. Things come, throw into it. Things are there, throw into it. And you identify yourself with it and you go up to the extreme point of your consciousness and aspiration. Thinking of nothing else. Simply an aspiration which mounds, mounds, mounds without thinking a minute of the result. Not to have experiences. That is another kind of ego. Just let it mount. The joy of the aspiration, the joy of the effort, the joy of surrender. To me that comes much more easily that this aspiration mounting to give itself completely to the mother. And above all, without desiring that something may come. That itself becomes, I am supposed to have peace, I am supposed to see a light, I am supposed to hear a voice. The mind and vital are tricksters. They will start playing the game. Oh, you want this? Okay, that we will provide. <laughs> so, she says, Simply, the joy of an aspiration which mounts and mounts and mounts, intensifying itself more and more in a constant concentration. The mounting flame. Don't we like proceeding further? And there, I may assure you, that what happens is the best that can happen. It's a state of self-giving to the divine. That is, it is the maximum of your possibilities which is realized when you do this. When you ask the divine for something, he may give you that. But when you leave it to him to give or not give or whatever he will, then you are in the best possible state. These possibilities may be very different according to individuals. She may suddenly open a faculty. She may give you a capacity or something. She may awaken the urge or an enthusiasm to serve. You are looking for suddenly having a vision. She may suddenly give you a little push. Go to Pondicherry. <laughs> Anything. Whatever is maximum at a given point of time. She may open the doors of knowledge. Love may rush, gushing out from its hidden chambers. Suddenly a phrase may appear whose inner sense is revealed. So many things. Infinite. God loves to play. He does not like standardization. Sit in this way, do this way, hold your breath this way. These ritualistic people are most far from God, frankly speaking. They don't know the divine. They have limited him into formulas, ceremonies. Sometimes I feel they probably God would run away if he sees too much of this. 
mental gymnastic. But wherever there is that open heart, days of Rama are going on, story of Shabri, Anuman, so many stories in our own things which show that wherever there is that bhava, divine reveals the way he is to reveal to you. To each one, to Lakshman, he comes as making him as bodyguard and a shadow. What a privilege. Hanuman, to him is his indispensable sevak. Bharat is somebody who holds his trust and is a trusty governs a kingdom. To Shabri, he comes as the, you know, what shall I say? There are no words. The lover of mankind. To Nishad Raj, he comes as a redeemer. Whatever is your maximum possibility. Which is greater, which is lesser? It's foolishness to think of that. So, <laughs> sorry, people are fighting over who is invited to Ram temple. What nonsense. <laughs> Bharat never travelled with Ram. Is he less? <laughs> All these things are so silly. <laughs> Egoism <laughs> It's not that you see Rama It is important that Rama sees you <laughs> So But then all these worries about trying to be silent Look at here the difference Going behind appearances Calling a force which answers Waiting for an answer to your questions All that vanishes like an unreal vapor you have a question and you are, after some time, the answer has not come, pop. Where is the answer? What is our idea of answer? God answers best when he keeps quiet. <laughs> and you are actually in the best case situation. Because if he says, do this or don't do this, and you don't do it, then imagine what, what would be the God. What is God's answer? He says, I have understood, I will do the needful, that is the answer. He doesn't have to say it. How he will do it? He'll push things in your life, in others' life, in the world's life to make it happen. That's all. Not do this, don't do this. Now, if you if he says do this, one may find hundred difficulties, one is struggling. You have prayed to him, he has heard, that's it. He has heard. And he has answered in silence. It's very powerful answer. He says, don't let this mind trouble you with all this. It is an unreal vapor, it's a effervescence of the mind. And if you succeed in living consciously in this flame, she is taking the meditation one step further, or concentration. If you succeed in living in this flame, in this column of mounting aspiration, you will see that even if you do not have an immediate result, after a time, something will happen. Sometimes Mother and Shubindo pack one seemingly not so significant word with a world of meanings. One such word is something. Now if, if somebody says something will happen, it's one thing. When the divine says something will happen, it is something so profound. Okay, so this is so powerful. And this is only one sampler. Imagine what, what one would find in collected works of the mother. Several places he has dealt with it. 
And she has removed all those unnecessary things. Sit this way, put a tikka chandan, you should be a Brahmin, you are an outcast, take a bath in the Ganges and purify yourself. Nothing. You are approaching he whose touch makes you holy. That's why people go to the divine. All that is required is to just offer oneself like that. <laughs> okay, another place since we are on the readings. If you look at yourself carefully, people often when they take to spiritual life, they discover sooner or later that there is something which opposes it, chases you, like a snake behind you. <laughs> Actually, the snake in a way helps you. It makes you run to Shiva <laughs> because <laughs> or to Vishnu. Both the gods are on snakes. You know, Shiva has tied him around. That's when the snake will stop. Or Vishnu, so he is Seshnagi's ultimate. He is the ultimate of all the... <laughs> so when you go there, then whatever snake is chasing you will not enter. So that's how the purpose of that snake is to chase you. Otherwise, one day you, when you reach nearer, you turn back and say, well, you know where I am standing <laughs> at the doors. <laughs> you dare to enter here. So this is something everybody experiences. If somebody has not experienced, he is either telling a lie or not taking the spiritual life in the real sense. As simple as that. And this is not just about ego in a general sense. But there is some specific aspect of nature which resists. And in each one, it will be unique and different. That in me will be different from that in you. So that's why people who uh, talk ill of others or see people's others' defects, they should know that probably somebody is watching over yours. You are seeing another person's defects because they are visible to you. You don't have them, but you have your own. That's what is meant by, um, what is it called? Uh, bearing your own cross. That's your burden. And it's a shortcut. Another place he talks about the shadow. See, it's a shortcut because you don't have to take up the cosmic burden. You don't have to talk about a problem which is not in you. Why so-and-so gets angry? It's not your problem. Okay, fine, good. You have a problem of fear. Deal with it. So that's your unique opportunity. For you only that much is given. So she says, if you look at yourself carefully, you will see that one always carries in oneself the opposite of the virtue one has to realize. I use virtue in its widest and highest sense. Virtue is not about good and bad, moral sense and ethical sense. Virtue is a divine quality. Sense of beauty is a virtue. It's not about morality. Truthfulness is a virtue. It's not about morality and ethically and practicality. Love is a virtue. So there are qualities, it's basically qualities, divine qualities. You have a special aim, a special mission, a special realization, which is your very own. Each one individually and you carry in yourself all the obstacles necessary to make your realization perfect. As far as I know, no one has spoken about this. Having read a lot of spiritual literature here and there. It is hinted like the entire Ramayana story can be understood this way. So Ram as a cosmic being has to take the cosmic challenge. To take the cosmic asura as his opponent. Without which they cannot come together. So 
but at our level we don't have to deal with ravana our one head is good enough <laughs> rama can deal with 10 heads and complicated problems like amrit in the navel and all these things and kartushan we are given much lesser part but it is given to us you can't escape it you can't close your eyes to it you can't put it under the carpet you can't hide it from others hide it if you like but don't hide from yourself and from the divine don't have to show it to others oh look here i am so such a bad person making a big virtue of your so called modesty no that's not required but to simply acknowledge it offer it and keep on offering to the flame within to the mother till it gets dissolved so one has to take this challenge so these obstacles are given to make your realization perfect there are no shortcuts <laughs> so they are the anvil over which we have to pass always you will see that within you the shadow and the light are equal and at one place mother says measure by measure gram by gram if you are given a great difficulty means there is a great possibility measure by measure gram by gram so grace is in proportion to that you have also the negation of this ability but but if you discover a very black hole a thick shadow be sure there is somewhere in you a great light thank god what is your assurance it is up to you to know how to use the one to realize the other this is a fact very little spoken about but one of capital importance and she says it is with everyone this leads us to statements which are paradoxical but absolutely true and now we'll understand why the mother would take all kinds of people we were looking at their difficulties even now are this person has this problem are this person has this problem but the divine has seen the possibility that's why the mother says one of the rules of the ashram was ashram has very few rules one of was do not speak ill of anyone or something like that or gossip about uh, people in the ashram and then she says something very interesting she says this is faithfulness to the divine work when you speak ill of others defects of others you are actually increasing it in them and in you you are unwittingly calling them inside you so she speaks of that you may notice it once in a while but don't focus on it so you you can observe it it's there in everyone don't label out for instance that the great thief can be the most honest man and she says with a sense of humor this not to encourage you to steal of course but this is something which i recently saw when i went to jantral the place where champaklal ji left his body so they had already told me a story about a man so what happened this is a band of thieves they are family of thieves this is their job to steal and i was just wondering they perfected the art of stealing you know it's a perfection whatever you may say so they will steal from anywhere any everywhere so one day they happened to enter into the house of a person to steal and their gang leader he had somewhere he was in a prison and in the prison they used to go in and out of the prison like prison was okay i am going for a for a temporary stay take care i'll come back so they that was their life so one of once when the leader was in the prison for 
टू ईयर्स और फोर ईयर्स आई डोंट रिमेम्बर देर वॉज ए अनदर मैन इन द प्रिजन हु न्यू अबाउट द मदर लुक एट नाउ दैराडॉक्स and he started speaking about the mother and he heard about the mother and he saw a picture of the mother like that they lived what a prison <laughs> so he came out that then his nature was the same okay there is mother but some kind of sense of sacred feeling came towards her some faith so now what they started doing before going to steal they would pray to the mother <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice i mean after all <laughs> so mother as her ways so once they went into a house and uh, i forget the details was it a center or something and ha uh, it was a center where an old lady was staying nobody else so they saw they were going to steal pack things so they saw the mother's calendar ah we can't take anything from here they kept everything mother's house we can't take anything from here. <laughs> then After a couple of days, uh, they went back and said, uh, "What is it? They are so thrilled that there is, uh, because till now they were only praying and going. This time they encountered there are places, there are people uh, which are dedicated to mother. This was a new knowledge. So he went, and when he came to know, he said, 'Wonderful! This is the kind of place I would like to work.' <laughs> and I met who is working there, and what what joy and enthusiasm he was working." now the thief has become a guard of that place because you know he knows all the tricks of the trade <laughs> people who speak about radical conversions and caught quote stories of Saul of Tarsus and you know we know this is a story i have just seen i have met that man it's so beautiful what a child like smile he doesn't understand those uh, complicated thing but he takes the joy okay people are going to eat so i'll arrange everything and uh, you know so you see ways of the divine why because in him that does not mean every thief suddenly should wake up but in him like in ratnakar there was hidden a valmiki so to in this man there is hidden a honest person so honest that he would not touch anything simply because it is mother's picture and i rate him very high in terms of see we do all kinds of things with mother's picture mother's presence how we violate This man refused to violate. He doesn't even know about presence. A picture is there. I should not violate. Look at the beauty and the dedication, the sincerity at his level. This is so wonderful. So she says, closes by saying, "Do not say I am like that. I can't be otherwise. It is not true." you are like that because precisely you ought to be the opposite where will you find such wonderful hope encouragement such lovely psychological truth which scripture will give it like this and all your difficulties are there just so that you may learn to transform them into the truth they are hiding one of my lessons from this was keep putting effort whenever you see something like a difficulty never get discouraged never feel pessimistic never have any despair if you see a difficulty okay one more little step to be taken then life journey becomes so beautiful this journey is so beautiful when you take it like that every challenge is one more step and when you know you are moving towards i won't use the word that her who is with you as well as waiting for you 
She is with you as a formless essence and she is waiting on the peaks in her splendorous form. And slowly she will show this aspect, that aspect, this way, that way. She is the one who seems to oppose you, but she is the one who releases. I mean, life can be beautiful. It is beautiful. Okay, two wonderful passages. One more. Can can it happen that a psychic being does not fall at the place where it wanted to take birth? So we keep on hearing randomly, psychic being has chosen, psychic being has chosen. First of all, there are very few real psychic beings. Most are in a seed state. You don't expect a seed to be the tree. A point of light is not the sun. It is an authentic light, that's true. But what does a light show? To the extent it can see. So it sees and it plunges into that possibility. But it, accidents can happen. It cannot see everything around. So that's why we see so much of struggle and especially when it enters the earth atmosphere. It, Mother says it goes headlong and it has to take time to wake up. And what it sees? A developed psychic being can see a little bit of light somewhere shining, a little bit of something which draws it and it can plunge into it. But then there are many other things which may be there. So it may see a place, it may see a family or a person and it falls headlong and is stunned. And she says this is what we can call it like a bad luck. It is bad luck in the sense that it probably lacked a certain power of discrimination because it's not developed that much. Or perhaps it had to face certain forces which thwarted its decision and won a partial victory over it. There are a thousand possibilities, you know. One cannot say that everything goes according to the same plan. Every psychic being is different. So this tendency to overgeneralize, psychic being chose to depart, psychic being chose to take birth, psychic being chose, I mean, <laughs> when you discover your own psychic being, you will know how it chooses, what it chooses. Then the meaning of your entire life becomes crystal clear. Then another problem. But if one can tear out completely the root of the thing, there are people who say, oh, I'll tear out my desires, I'll throw away, I've thrown away. Throw away is okay, thrown away. <laughs> Bhai, lot of patience is required. You're not uh, you're dealing with millenniums of uh, shadow. You're not armed with lot of patience, you'll just close your eyes and cover up, wear a mask and believe that, you know, you have conquered. So she reminds us, ah, one must not be so sure of that. I have known people who wanted to save the world by reducing it so much that there was no longer a world left. That's one extreme one takes. I have conquered the difficulty of greed, so I'll not eat, I'll not eat, finally I can live with minimum. So that's one approach that people believe that they have conquered a difficulty. This is the ascetic way. You want to do away with the problem by doing away with the possibility of the problem. That's the beauty of this ashram. You just can't run away from the problem. You try to run away from one department because you have a problem, the same problem will come in another department, probably much worse. Then you will feel, <laughs> why did I do <laughs> Why did I do that? That I know I know a person, I know quite a few people, but one person who lamented still laments till date. Oh, I had such a wonderful thing. 
but couldn't bear human ego problem. Now that ego problem is with, first, earlier it was with one person. Now it is with so many people. Because problem is inside us, <laughs> that the shadow. <laughs> so, changing circumstances. But some just want to run away. But this will never change anything. They think that we have got over. You see some of these fellows nowadays on YouTube, they have taken to sannyas, but where you hear them, you feel, my God, this is <laughs> maha-egoistic. I mean, even a normal person will not speak like that. I can do this, I will do this. I am so important. I have decided when he will come. I have decided when Lord Rama will not come. For all you know, he want to be walking around and feeling amused at all these jokers. Honestly, I mean, this is nothing but jokery. <laughs> you are trying to bind the divine by all these things. Do it, fine. It's okay to do things nicely. <laughs> but don't bind him because divine acts in infinite freedom. <laughs> so, by doing away, you have not faced the problem. So, they, they have run away from the problem of life. But this will never change anything. So, for me, one of the things why I, uh, many things of course, but I am talking, it was not, it's not a logical decision, but I am just saying, putting in logic, but one of the things I so much more appreciate, admire and love about Shurabindu and the mother, that both were married. So, you know, they know what it <laughs> means to be married. <laughs> they were not sannyasis, for God's sake, they knew what it means life in the world. So, I would rather listen to them than to go to a sannyasi for guidance about my married life. You know, or about how to bring up children. His word has no meaning because he does not know what it means to have a child. He will simply say it is Maya illusion, your mind is engaged in it. <laughs> he will say that, you will say, yes sir, you are right. Think only of God. So you will say, very good. You will come home, Bhaj Govindam. And then your little Govinda will call you. <laughs> Dad, you are such a heartless brute, you don't care. All the time you are sitting in meditation, then you will discover. He will compel you till you discover Govinda in your little Govinda. This possibility you miss. If you have shunned all the little, little Govindas and gone into only that ultimate Govinda. <laughs> so this is the difference. So she says that's not a solution. People think they have got over a problem by staying away from the problem. But once he says it never changes anything. You think you have changed, but you have changed nothing. So all these sannyasis, when they enter into the domain of life, they are miserable people, worse than the normal ordinary people. No, there is a method, a sure one. But your method must be very clear-sighted and you must have a wide awake consciousness of your person and of what goes on there and the way in which things happen. You have to discover your little reactions, responses. Slowly you have to work upon them or dissolve them by offering to her. Let us take the instance of a person subject to outburst of rage and violence. Look at the practical side. So, according to one method, he would be told. We know where it is told. Express your rage. Now they have even slam boards. You are literally teaching a person to form a groove through which the same energy will keep passing because you have expressed it. People think you will get rid of it. Forget it. That's why we see that people have learned to be abusive. They become so... Because he will express for a few moments, it's fine. But after some time, now you, you are creating a habit. So, she says one of the methods is according to one method. 
get as angry as you like you will suffer the consequences of your anger and this will cure you so this is the other way that you know you will get angry somebody will slap you you will learn <laughs> yeah that's how life teaches she says this is debatable people never learn out of consequences teach them if you do this sin you will have this result they will read all about this narak that hell all the vivid descriptions then when the attraction to sin comes they say we'll talk think about it later this is the grip on human nature doesn't change because of all this so she says this is debatable <laughs> that's all according to another method he would be told in fact people become more and more aggressive they start justifying their anger after the first slap see that person slapped me therefore i have a right to be angry and they will associate all kinds of things rich poor cast everything that whereas the problem was you abused and so he slapped you you were angry but they will now make it very very complicated beyond measure so she says it debatable according to another method he would be told sit upon your anger and it will disappear this too is debatable one day it burst it burst in strange ways for if ever you should get up for a minute you will see immediately what happens then what is to be done now cc explains to us but it requires patience you must become more and more conscious you must observe how the thing happens what triggers the anger what is the starting point when i can master it when i catch hold of it you must observe how the thing happens by what road the danger approaches what happened what was about this person or this event that triggered a response in me and if you observe it we will see the difficulty but for there is ha huh, first you must see very clearly what you want to do you must not hesitate be full of doubt and say is it good to do this or not does this come into the synthesis or should it not come in you will see that if you trust your mind it will always shuttle back and forth it vacillates all the time if you take a decision it will put before you all the arguments to show you that your decision is not good and you will be tossed between the yes and no the black and white and you will arrive at nothing so first he is saying you can't do it just by playing with the mind hence first you must know exactly what you want let's say that uh, not mentally but by aspiration that you want to conquer the anger let's say that should be clear don't flip flop between uh, this and that that is the important point afterwards so first thing is do you really want to let's say conquer the anger master the anger afterwards gradually by observation by sustained vigilance you must realize a sort of method which will be personal to you it is useless to convince others to adopt the same method as yours for that won't succeed everyone must find his own method so some people observe and they just turn their mind away this is walk away from that situation for a moment another person will just call quietude a third person will just call ma 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 inside fourth person will observe in me there is this issue which reacts that must be corrected so each one will have his own method and then you must start working you start working for a while all will go well then one day you will find yourself facing an insurmountable difficulty and will tell yourself i have done all that and look uh, everything is as bad as before 
Actually, it's not true. Things become weaker and weaker. Then, in this case, you must, through a yet more sustained concentration, open an inner door in you and bring into this movement a force which was not there formerly. A state of consciousness which was not there before. What I love doing is simply have a still greater aspiration to surmount the difficulty. That's all. That Okay, it's not gone. No, never get disheartened, pessimistic or say, okay, I accept it. I heard once a very elderly person once telling me, not so elderly, must have been in 60s. He talked about a difficulty and he didn't use it like a difficulty. He says, see, this is a process which all of us do. Uh, it's a natural thing. I was wondering why is he saying natural? It's not healthy from a yogic standpoint. It is natural but one has to transcend it. It is difficult but you can't call it natural. That's how it is and that's how it must carry on. So she says that uh, when the personal power runs out, ordinary people say, that's good, I can no longer do anything, it is finished. But I tell you that when you find yourself before this wall, it is the beginning of something new. I have seen and mother speaks of you, but you have to reach the extreme of your effort. You are helpless. You know, people are, they don't like this state of helplessness because it's counter ego. At that point, surrender. Mother, I can't do anything. I have done whatever I could conceive. Maybe she'll show you have not done this. <laughs> okay, do that. Try. But a point comes when you have that state when the, you have touched the root of the problem which is inconscient. Helplessness. And that's when when you invoke the help comes in cascades. And sometimes then the difficulty is really taken from the root because you have reached the root. So she says, but I tell you that when you find yourself before this wall, it is the beginning of something new. By an obstinate concentration, you must pass over to the other side of the wall and there you will find a new knowledge, a new force, a new power, a new help and you will be able to work out a new system, a new method which solely will take you very far. So it's like step by step. So help will come, new revelation, okay, we must do it this way. It will take you this far, then you, will, you have to take another step, so another way. So that's how one proceeds. I do not say this to discourage you. Only things happen like that. And the worst of all is to get discouraged when it happens. You must tell yourself with the means of transport at my disposal, I have reached a certain point. But these means do not allow me to go further. What should I do? Sit there and not stir any longer? Not at all. I must find other means of transport. You must sit down for a moment, meditate and then find other means. You must increase your concentration, your aspiration and your trust and with the new help which comes to you, make a new program, work out other means to replace those you have left behind. This is how one progresses stage by stage. But you must take great care to apply at each stage as perfectly as possible what you have gained or learned. You must never get discouraged when you find yourself before a wall. Never say, Oh, what shall I do? It is still there. In this way, the difficulty will still be there and still there and still there. 
till the very end it is only when you reach the goal that everything will suddenly crumble down like a magic building undone one is reminded of savitri descent into night shubhendu goes to rock bottom the very home of falsehood and there he sees you see the description before it touches that rock bottom and then he sees in the night the key the secret key of perfect change he saw in death creation's hasty steps in destruction he saw the pace of a new life new creation destruction is a preparation for new creation and hell as a shortcut to heaven's gates death as a seller of the house of life in saw in destruction creation's hasty steps death as a seller transiting point in the house of life and hell as a shortcut to heaven's gates thank you